Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Kari. I'm your host, Kari Feiler. In today's episode, I'm talking with my friend, Aaron McDonald. We talk about old friendships, husbandhood, freedom in America, life in a small town, gender, having kids, camping, movies, Pig with Nicolas Cage, Dutch Schultz, Heavy Metal, Grindcore, Rap, The January 6th Insurrection, God, and other topics. We do have a bit of a connection issue, which makes itself apparent, but uh, doesn't hinder the conversation too much. And I was recording from the wrong mic, so hopefully that doesn't hinder too much. Hopefully you enjoy the show. Thank you very much. Start recording, and we're, we are live. Uh, thank you so much. Aaron, for doing this. Uh, we're old friends. It's great to hear from you, and I'm happy to have this kind of portal to catch up with people and also create content, which is cool. Yeah, man. I was uh, super touched and like honored that you reached out, man. I haven't talked to you in a long time, so it was, I, I don't know, it's always good to hear from, uh, just know that people are out there and still kicking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I, birds of a feather flock together, and you really made an impression on me when we used to kick it at Palm House. Uh, what was the name of that house? It wasn't Palm House. What was the name of that house? Uh, Faith House. Faith House. Uh, yes. That's where we met, and yeah, you know, those nights, man, were some of the best Friday nights of my life, hanging out with you guys. You, Mike, Max, yeah, it was great. I still keep in pretty good contact. Uh, me and Max and I talk like once a year, you know, we exchange birthdays and then catch up. Uh, Mike and I are still pretty, staying in pretty good touch with each other, even though we're living in different states now and, and mm. things. And uh, yeah, I just, building a connection with those guys was um, really meaningful to me in my life at that, at that point. And I've just never lost contact with those guys, you know. What would you say are some of the most important lessons that you carried out of that experience? Um, let's see. I don't know, man. Like to be patient. Like I, I learned a lot of patience. Um, like I don't know if it was specifically to like um, isolated to my experience at Faith House, but. Um, I've just learned throughout my years that you can't like it's not it's not beneficial to me to like judge a book by its cover, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like typically, Max and and uh, some of those other guys, you know, wouldn't be somebody that I would think that I would uh, hang out with, you know, and like strictly based on age. You know, those guys were a lot younger than I was. And uh, how are you now? I'm. I just turned thirty-nine. Okay. Okay. I am thirty-eight until March, so we're pretty much the same age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Forties right around the corner. It's yes, uh, intimidating. It yes, it is. <laughs> um. But you know, when you get to really know somebody, then yeah, all those barriers down. You know, and you can see through, I don't know, dude, I have like a lot of friends that, um, that I started off probably not getting along with, and then they've become like lifelong friends. You know, that you see 
a decade later, later and no time is passed. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think it's part of the benefit of living in the age of information that, you know, I'm still in contact with some old uh, middle school friends, which I never would have expected, right? Uh, but that, that certainly is the case. You can keep in contact with people. Do you think it made you tougher, that experience? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know, like, is it made me tougher or mm-hmm. just, um... Yeah, did it give you, what did what did it do for you that was lasting? Because, you know, I can say that what I learned from that place was, uh, one of the things that I learned from that place is that camaraderie is so important, right? You can't, you, right. we're not, no man is an island. Uh, and that's part, and that was hammered home to me on those nights. Yeah, I don't think it made me tougher, man. If anything, it made me softer. You know, interesting. Uh, and, and that, right? Like it didn't like it opened my heart a lot more. You know. Oh, so you're you're coming from the tough side of the spectrum. <laughs> well, I mean, don't get me wrong, man. Like I was never a tough guy. You know, um, I always kind of like envied that lifestyle and kind of wanted to be perceived that way. And there was a long time that I kept people at like arm's length, um, but I never was necessarily, like, at heart, I'm super sensitive, dude, you know, and, um, you know, in that place, we were all there, so Faith House was a, was a recovery, it was a sober living, and so we were all kind of going through this thing together, mm. and we were super raw. And all you know, learning how to navigate life totally different than we had. That's right. L- like, we had to totally learn new skills how to live life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, instead of, like, it just opened me up to being willing to look at new perspectives and uh, to trust, you know, trust mm-hmm. people a little bit instead of just, like... Uh, Looking at everybody, not sideways, but what are they? What are they looking for? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the culture in in early America was really cutthroat. Even though the language of the Constitution is inclusive and it's for all men, created equal, da 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 da. We know what the words say. But the actual practice of the Founding Fathers was so exclusionary, right? It was only for white male landowners of stature. That was the only group that the Constitution was actually referring to. They were, in my opinion, they were so racist, they didn't even think to, to say, oh, we're not talking about all these other people. They just said all men, because that's that was their concept of all men, was white male right. landowners. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the I, perception of that. And that I, totally makes. I mean, yeah. I say that to say, say that their their exclusionary principle actually translated to their families, and it's still the culture we're in. Which is, if you have some sort of economic edge, your family's job is to guard it. A lot of people say hold that to be dear, right? They go, oh, we've got some sort of. Uh, you know, information that has economic value and we need to keep it close to the chest so that we have an edge on all of our competitors. And then when you multiply that phenomenon 
across 320 million people, you just get this this stratification where if you're not in the group, it's so hard to get into the group. Now it's you know it's better than other countries. We aren't the worst in the world, but I looked it up. I think we're 27th now in uh, mobility and social mobility, uh, and so I <laughs> I feel like that uh, to your point, the spirit of it's really just for white men, and then that trans or that feeds into okay, it's really just for our family. Uh, that feeds into the mentality of, you know what, it's really just me and mine. And then you're looking at everybody with a, if you're not doing for me, get out of my way type attitude. And it's so, so prevalent, so common. Right. I You uh, <laughs> kind of took me on a, on a journey there. But I definitely, like, I see, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. There's just uh, an error, like, if you're, there's always, there's this idea of, of masculinity where, mm. and now it, it would be called toxic, right? Uh, where you're a man, you take care of your own business, you have to be tough, you have to, like, uh, in, uh, go and read and uh, get, get fucked up and, you know, mm. like. Uh, the definitions of manhood then, that we carry in our minds. Right. And like it takes, and stuff like, stuff like, I don't know, it's changed a little bit. Like, uh, my perception of, like, um, like to me now, like, manhood means responsibility and still means taking care of, uh, the people that you, like, are, that you, you know, and that, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't mean going out and getting fucked up and looking for a fight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One definition that I carry is that a man takes care of himself and he takes care of others. That's what a man does. Right. right? If, you, if, yeah. you're, if you're going around and it's just you and you're all top of your game and your pockets are full and your belly is full and nobody's benefiting from it, that's not manhood, right? You got to be right. you got to be standing on your own taking care of yourself and taking care of others. And the, the ideal others to be taken care of, uh, I-M-H-O, is a wife and kids. Uh, I would say that the nuclear family really should be the cent central kind of uh, ideal in American culture. And it, it kind of is, but, you know, we're moving away from that. We're, we're, mo we're moving away from the, uh, what's it called, social enforcement of the nuclear family. Uh, you know, right. the, the show Modern Family made a made a big deal about that, right? Um, <laughs> you know, families look different, and that's fine. That's fine. But still, I still want to hold a man's role and a man's aspiration towards the nuclear family as one of the best ways to help yourself, help your community, help your state, and help your country. I think that's one of the best ways to do it. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I just... Like, I've found that I'm happy, I'm content, I'm, like, most, like, my mind's the most at peace when I'm able to, like, help people around me, mm. right? Um, whether that's family or people that are struggling uh, with, like, in sobriety or just, you know, for me, it can be as simple as... Uh, like being kind to people on the street, man. 
you know, like uh, saying hello or opening the door for somebody, um, you know, just that, that, like my old man always taught me like the, the big, the big rules in our house were that uh, we would be ladies and gentlemen and we would have respect, you know, mm. and it wasn't like um, there was no sort of uh like corporal punishment, you know, there was none of that stuff. It was just a mutual, like, um, like you were going to treat everybody with respect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And give respect, give respect before you get it. Right. Be kind to other people. It's, uh, you know, it's, and that can, <laughs> don't get me wrong, man. I in moods and I get pissed off in traffic and, you know, like, um, I can definitely get wrapped on the axles about dumb stuff that is totally out of my control or, uh, you know, like just life uh, getting in my way. Right. But if I don't, um, if I don't carry that to other human beings and it actually like it kind of squashes that immediately, you know what I mean? Like if I'm if I'm out there actively making other people miserable because I'm miserable, mm-hmm. then like uh, that misery like stays with me and it makes me sick, dude. You know, I get like I can feel it physically. Mm. When was the last time you think you made somebody miserable? Oh boy. Well, <laughs> I'm going through. Some pretty significant life changes right now, and uh, that is creating a lot of uncomfortability. And uh, some really good things are happening for my wife and I. Um, and she was talking about um, we're gonna uh, paint the off, right? We're like, uh, it's a super good thing. Um, we're into, like, we're. We're about to have a baby, like, uh, we have a baby due next month, and so we're trying to eliminate, like, a ton of, like, hey, thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big deal, and it's a trip. <laughs> I was not father material uh, not that long ago, you know? Really? Um, I don't believe that, because I, I knew you 10 years ago, and you were father material then, so. Well, yeah. Call, call it twelve years ago. I was I was not I was not uh, nobody was putting me up for student of the month. Let's just uh, say that. Fair um, enough. So so anyhow, like she she offered to pay this bill for me, and it was it just wasn't the, 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 what I had in my head. Mm. Right, it mm. was not the plan that I had. And she, like, um, I kind of, like, I got snippy with her, man. Kind of came out of ways about mm. that. Mm. And um, she noticed it, and I noticed it, and it's, it's, like, that doesn't happen all the time, but when it happens, I, I notice it, you know? Yep. And for a long time, I was, when it, like, there was such a part of me. And being reactionary, that um, that it's it was like instinct, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And like I said, I w- I've never been violent, but like I, I can, I, I've got a sharp tongue, man, and it's fast. And uh, and I'm kind of a like I'm a big guy, and so people can like uh, be very intimidated. That's when, true. And, That's true. Like, big, bigger um, men have to have more restraint than smaller people, right? Whether it be male or female. Because if you're a physical threat to people, if you're upset, then you can't even seem upset. Otherwise, people get really threatened. Right. Even, like, there's been plenty of times when I've, like, not been... I didn't think (laughs) that I was being very, like, um, intimidating. And people have been... um, you know, scared. And I don't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. You know, like I do a lot of work to like, not be like, like a moody, angry human being. And, um, so when I, when I do latch out like that, it sucks. And it makes me feel terrible, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. There was a time time a couple months ago, I got mad at something. I was, I was mad at myself, but my, uh, Ooh, pardon me. I was mad at myself, but my wife was in the room, and I threw a uh, bottle of foot powder against the floor, and it blew up everywhere and made this big mess. I said, oh, jeez, what an asshole I am. All right. I I think part of it is, like, a shit. I don't know. There's part of me that thinks that I should be, like, more evolved than that. Um, there's definitely a part of me that feels very immature when I lash out like that. And then that creates like like a like a like an instant of shame, you know. Yeah. Which is a good thing. A good thing. Hey, feeling feeling shame when you're doing something shameful is the healthy feeling. Hey, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like people who what what did they do? Who stand up? What did they do last year? They were burnt. Did you know they were burning American flags on January sixth in L.A. this year? I did not know that on January 6th. Let's see. Burning burning flags in L.A. Jan 6th. Let's see if I'm remembering this correctly. Uh, yeah. Oh, was, Jan- uh, January 6th. Yeah, was the... Like during, uh, really? Like in, in, uh, like, uh, in support of the uh, insurrection or what? <laughs> no, what I was thinking was that it was just a bunch of people who want a reason to burn burn American flags. I, I don't understand the impetus to want to burn a flag. Now I you know I protect all Americans' freedom to burn flags. I think I think the Constitution is clear or the precedent law is clear about that, right? Burn a flag, step on it. It's it's just a flag, right? That's your freedom of expression. Uh, but I think you should feel a little bit embarrassed, a little bit ashamed. I mean I don't I don't think it's burn flag time yet uh maybe we're getting there <laughs> maybe we're getting there and maybe these are just the early flag burners but i don't think it's me personally i'm burning no flags i'm still proud to wave the flag these days yeah i mean um i don't know i kind of like i totally agree like, um like that's definitely a way that people that people have a freedom of speech man you know, and that is definitely a, uh, making a statement. Um, to defend me, no, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't make me angry. 
it, it does kind of um, give my, um, I don't know, it's not perfect. It's far from perfect. We definitely have a ton of problems. Um, do I think things are as bad as a lot of people think they are? No. Uh, do I still think that we have, for the most part, uh, a lot more freedom than you know, a good portion of the world? Yeah. Like, yeah, you can come here and you can practice whatever. I mean, a few assholes, uh, you know, a few bad apples, uh, give or take. But you can still come here and practice whatever religion you want. That's right. You can right. say whatever you want. You can... I mean, barring criminal activity, you can do pretty much whatever you We can travel state to state without passports. Our water like, is potable straight out of the tap anywhere in the country. Yeah. Uh, I mean, almost like there are a few, you know, there, there are the frackers. <laughs> but, I mean, we still have, like, um, we still have a lot of freedom in this country. And, like, I don't know, I'm born here, dude. I don't, like, I've been to other countries, but this is my home, and I and I like America. Are you, um, uh, where are you a native of? Uh, Colorado. Native of Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, what was the, if there was any cultural kind of, not shock, because I thought it was culture shock, but what were the first things you noticed about L.A. culture when you came here from your hometown? Um, that was that was kind of striking. What, what made you say, wow, this is L.A.? Well, okay, so, dude, I've, I've always been a big movie guy. Like, okay. ever, like movies have always been super important to me. And so I always grew up, like, I just always had this idea that someday I was going to end up in L.A. Um, or in, in California, right? Um, and so, like, um, ideally it wasn't going to be free app, but <laughs> any port in a storm. Um, I think just seeing the ocean and the palm trees and, um, like, seeing, like, real... LA traffic for the first time. Mm. Um, the freeways. freeways. I don't know. You, yeah, I, mean, I idolized all that for a long time. You know, like I grew up in small. Our town had three hundred people in there. Three hundred. Yeah. Wow. And there was uh, up in the mountains, dude. We oh, I grew so up you're at from um, small town, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm from. Uh, a town that it was uh, 9,700 feet, you know, Ooh. and everybody knew everybody and, um, you know, which was good, dude. It kind of made you, um, did you guys have to, uh, refer to like, let's, let's say you're having a conversation with your friend. You said, yeah, I'm going over to John. You couldn't say you're going over to John's house. You have to say, I'm going over to John Smith's house. <laughs> you have to say his last name because everybody knows all four Johns. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely had, so our school, like, we had 37 people, I think, in our graduating class, and in my class, in uh, the class below me, we had two brand accounts, so you had to identify them from 
not only their last, but their initial. Oh, wow. Like, I'm going over to this Brian Allen's house. Yeah, I'm going over to Brian M. Allen's house, not Brian in Allen's house. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That was that was one thing that I noticed coming so, from big city culture when I did experience small town culture, was people saying people's last names. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, I think, I don't know, in... In my town, there were a few kind of um, traditional families that had been there. You know, uh, everybody, everybody was related, you know. Um, so when you're, when, you're, when you're saying somebody's last name, it was kind of, um, it was either to identify, of course, like uh, between between John and John or whatever, but also to identify what, like, which part of the family they were in. Mm -hmm. It was almost like a respect thing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. That's cool. What did you get up to after uh, after we last met? What have you been up to the past decade? Oh, boy. Um, so, I think... Lived in Long Beach for a long time, man. Like, yeah. I, I still miss it. I was there. I mean, we just moved out in 2020. We kind of moved here to help with family and COVID was going on. And we okay. just kind of. Like, so you got uh, married in Long Beach? Yeah, I got married in Long Beach. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, I got married down to uh, the Colorado Lagoon. Which is um, there's a Colorado lagoon in Long Beach. There is a Colorado lagoon in Long Beach. It's like right on um, right below Fourth and Semino. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, God, dude, I, 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 the old timers would have said I'm a man who wears many hats. I, I was working in a restaurant for a long time. Mm. Worked in recovery for a long time. Uh, I did uh, me, me, and uh, you. You knew Ch Chad B, right? Uh, Chavatar. Chavatar is this? I think so. Video game Chad, right? Kind of nerdy Chad. Right, right, right. Not big Chad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, not big Chad. The yeah. other Chad. Oh, Chad, and I like Chad into filming for a bit. I, like, I was able like. I'm acting with him in, in the short films. Oh. Uh, and then we came out here and I'm currently um, working as an arborist. You're an arborist? All right. What is an arborist? Well, some people call them trees. Term. But are you a tree plant? You're a tree trimmer? Yeah, so I worked for putting that trim trees away from our lines to make sure that there's uh, they're safe. They're not going to cause any outages, or if there is a tree that blows our uh, blows into the lines, then it's our responsibility to go in and, um, and trim it, like uh, remove the obstruction. That's important work. Do you know if you guys are yeah. essential by uh, Colorado government? Everybody's got a virus standards. Are you essential workers or no? Oh yeah, yeah. I've never, <laughs> I've never been not essential. 
nice. not to toot my own horn, but um, I like I didn't get. I, I, I like I never had to um, stay like to stay at home or I never got good. like that, that stuff ever affected my working life. Nice, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I mean, I true. You could say unfortunately. Mine was a. Uh, I was in a company. It's a. It was a software as a service company. And when COVID hit, we all, they just went remote pretty much immediately. We were kind of fast ahead with the curve. Now, I was already super anti-COVID listening to Sam Harris and whatnot and Joe Rogan. But then my company caught up. We all went remote. And it was the greatest thing. Working working from home for someone who makes their living by typing into a computer or typing into a keyboard, right? If that's your skill set, then work from home is amazing. I'm cur- I currently have so many jobs. <laughs> You're still like working from home. I am working from home. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's great. You're living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. Well, I don't m- make enough money to say I'm living my dream. I'm, I'm living a dream. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great, man. And you got one on the way. Do you know the gen- the sex? I do, yeah. We're having a little. Uh, we're having a daughter, man. So let me ask you this: in this world of uh, of gender, I, I don't want to hover on gender because it's such a black hole. But you're having sure. a girl, and gender is the name of the season, right? The soup of the day. What do you think about all these these ideas that are floating around around gender as someone who's about to bring a uh, young woman into the world? You mean as far as like um, choice, uh, like um, will you be? Like, you know, just just has it is it affecting the way that you're thinking about what you're gonna be the way you're gonna be teaching her and raising her? Uh, I don't know, not real. I mean, mm. <laughs> like we're getting all the pink stuff. I'm getting nice. her some like little. Oh, I love horror it. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh, cupcakes and princesses and ponies. Yeah, I, I love mean, it. Like, Girly stuff. Oh, I'm so excited to hear that. You made me so happy, Aaron. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, if, if look, if, if she if she reaches an age where she decides that she wants to be a they them or whatever, yes, um, and I'm, like, dude, that's my daughter, and I'm gonna be behind her 100. percent There it is. Know? Beautiful. Maybe uh, shocking, um, but. It can be like I don't know, man. I've had like like good lifelong friends like that came out of closet and it was like no big deal, man. Mm. You know, mm. like people are people. That's right. They 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 want to be treated with respect, regardless of how they present. You know That's what right. I mean? That's right. Good. How many do you want? How many do you want to? Do you guys want to go up to two, three? Four more. <laughs> I think we want. I think we want one more. Um, my wife Des, is a little concerned about having an only child, but um, I'm an only child. You should be concerned. <laughs> Dude, I like. I'm not like my, my sister is eight years older than me, so I kind of felt like I was an older child, but only when I wasn't getting beat up by my. So you've got one on the way. You're. You're open to twins? You're excited about twins, you said? 
Um, I don't know if I'm excited about, I mean, having kids is a trip, dude. Um, I envy you. We're trying. We've been trying for a while. So I envy yeah, you. just ask you, are you, I, are you guys in the market? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right on. Like, um, we had been, I think it was. We had decided like three or four years ago that we wanted to try and we had tried for a long time. And like, like I said, I, I'm 30, 39. My wife is 38. We just kind of, um, had, well, I'll speak for myself. I had kind of figured that the uh, ship had sailed. Jeez. Right. And lo and behold, like, some life changes and um and and there there it was man i walked in the door one day and on the bathroom counter was uh was a positive pregnancy test awesome and we freaked out and we went immediately to walgreens <laughs> got three more tests and <laughs> that's good. And the rest was history yeah that's great that's a good thing Yeah, it's cool, man. Like we're super. I don't know. I always, I always wanted kids. You know. Hmm. What are the so, What are the lessons that you are most excited to pass to your little girl? Oh, I don't know about. Um, I'm just excited about the experience, man. Getting to do like, of course, getting her, to meet her, getting to know her. Yeah, man. Uh, getting to teach her how to cook, um, getting to watch movies with her, and maybe hopefully get her interested in that kind of stuff. Um, take her in, to do uh, outdoorsy thing, you know, go hiking, and j just to like be able to experience a bunch of things through their eyes. Mm. You know what? I mean? mm. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to, I guess that that saying of you want your kids to be better than you, right? So I'm looking forward to the the experiment of trying to be really good and then just encouraging them be better than me, man, be better than me, and that's that's a, a message that I can't wait to give. Right. Basically, I just don't want to rich. <laughs> Like just getting her to survive and be uh, feel loved is is going to be. If I've done that, then uh, my job is done. You know. Do you come from a big family? Cousins, aunts, uncles. Um. Let's see. My old man had two brothers and a sister, and my mom had one sister. Okay. And I kind of think I've got got like five cousins no it wasn't a big family um we were tight when we saw each other but we weren't in constant con you know there were there were never like family reunions or anything like that like mm -hmm. very few family get-togethers um but whenever we saw each other it was like the connection was there you know it was like it oh, was yeah. but he was super stoked to see each other so it sounds like 
family, movies, outdoors, friendship, those are the things you hold dear. Is that, are there, did I, what's, what would you say you hold dear? I think, I think he nailed it, man. Because you said like you I, would teach your hiking. I would, I'm, I, I tell you what, my kids are not going to learn hiking for me because I don't know how to hike. It ain't that hard. We can, we can work it out, buddy. You and me, we're, we're on the road. My idea of hiking is sneakers on a flat cement sidewalk. <laughs> well, that's a type of hiking. That ain't bad. Just yeah. make sure you have water and snacks, and you're you're set. That's right. And just, as long as that sidewalk is in between my front door and my car, it's a hike. Well, just just point those sneakers a little to to the left and, okay. and aim for the mountain, and, and you got hiking down. Sure. You, you figure it out. What's your favorite part of hiking? I've got a buddy, uh, Evan, who loves to hike, and so I understand I understand why it's uh, enamoring, but what do you like about it? Well, um, well let me not let me not oversell the hiking. Okay. <laughs> let it let it never be said that I'm a, a physical specimen among men. Okay. Uh, I'm perfectly content being super lazy on the couch. Um, I do like going out and being connected, like, in nature with, like, um, there's something about um, being surrounded by trees and foliage and, and animals and under a, a totally naked sky with nobody around. Mm. It's just you and, and nature. Have no. you ever seen the show Alone? Alone. That, uh, is that that's not one of the discovery shows, is it? It's on History Channel. Uh, right. Yeah, Alone is this show where they take 10 people and they take them out to these super remote spots where there's nobody else around and they see how right. long they can live off the land totally by themselves. And they have, right. to, they have to get their own water. They have to catch their own food. They have to build their own shelter. It's incredible. That that that, that sounds very um, unique. Oh yeah, it's a hit. It's I, I a very like popular having show. Water from the dab, man. I, oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, I mean, I dude, I do. I know how to fish. I know how to hunt. I, I can do that stuff, but. If there's a choice between having to live off the land or being able to, to pick a, a, a good cut of meat at the uh, at the grocery store, it's not even contact for me. There you go. <laughs> but I like camping and doing that stuff, man. I don't know. There's something um, something kind of very primal about being able, like like if I'm going camping, I want to. Dude, I'm like a walking contradiction. If I go camping, I want to go tent camping. Mm. I don't want to sleep in an RV and do all that stuff. I want to mm. sleep like sleeping pad on the ground with some. Uh, you don't want to go glamping, right? Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's far too fancy for for me. Uh, I like to build fires and cut down tree. You know, like gather wood and. Um, cook hot dogs on a stick and you know you like that's that's part of the camping experience for me like i can i have an apartment here i can watch tv and 
run a heater and, and stuff, that's it just doesn't feel like camping to me, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. My favorite part of camping is sitting around the campfire and uh, just talking, man. You know, just just like what we're doing. This, this is all I do. I just like talking to people. <laughs> right. Yeah, I get I get locked into that to that fire. It's like hypnotizing. <laughs> yeah, and then when you come home, all your stuff smells like camp campfire smoke, and it's glorious. Oh yeah, I love it. I also get locked into the uh, washing machines at the laundromat. Uh, no, maybe I, there's uh, something. Uh, maybe I'm undiagnosed or something. They are mesmerizing machines. So let me ask, what uh, what shows, what movies are you into these days, if any? Okay. Um, boy. Um, so, we went on Nope. Nope was pretty great. Okay. But I'm more um, like my my movies are pretty. Um, I mean, I have a pretty wide array, but I like uh, the the stuff that feeds me are like horror movies or exploitation movies or um, things that I grew up with. Um, there are plenty of new, new movies that come out that are really good that I enjoy watching and that are exciting to see. Uh, but I mainly uh, try and discover old stuff. Like, uh, have you ever seen Trespass, dude? Trespass? No, I've never seen it. Uh, it's got Ice T and Ice Cube and uh, um, William Sadler and uh, oh my god, Bill, um, not Bill Paul, Bill Paxton, okay. and they're all in uh, St. Louis and they're all, they, they all just happen to be in this derelict building at the same time. Um, uh, Bill Paxton and William Sadler are there because they found this uh, map to this old uh, treasure. Hmm. Uh, the student stolen all these artifacts from a church and in them and Ice Cube are these, um, yeah, I mean, it was a nice, they were drug dealing criminals, and they go there to, uh, to waste somebody, and it's, uh, it's just wrong place, wrong time for everybody, and, and they become at odds, um, but I just watched that today for the first time, and it was directed by this dude, Walter Hill, who did, uh, like a ton of Super famous actor. He did like Forty Eight Hours and um, Red Heat, and he wrote uh, Alien. And you know, he's he's just kind of like one of these prime directors. And uh, so I'm I'm watching a lot of movies like that. Okay. Um, I'll take it as the, a recommendation for sure. Have you seen uh, yeah. Pig on Hulu? Um, Pig is that with uh, Nick Cage? It is. Yes. Do you have Hulu? I do. Yeah, I've seen it. that. That was that was one of the best. Yeah, it was maybe the best movie I saw last year. It's my second favorite movie of all time. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That man. Yeah, I, like, uh, I realized that, and I watched it twice. I watched it pretty much back to back. I think I watched it one day after the other. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. A, it was a great. It, 
it's really good to see Nick like Nicholas Cage that in him to get like the proof is in the pudding. He's got mm-hmm. Academy Awards. He's done mm-hmm. really killer performances, but he don't like for the most part he only gets cast where he can like do his rage cage thing, you know. But when he's given good material, man, he he fucking knocks it out of the park every time. Yeah, yeah. What I love about Pig is, uh, so there's uh, there's this mo- this moral, this fable you could argue of a man who's walking through a field and he finds another man in the field and the the man in the field actually it's the it's from Dust Book Zarathustra by Nietzsche, and so Zarathustra is discovers this man in the field and he's talking to cows. He or at least he's trying to talk to the cows. And the cows are in the field chewing cud and grass as cows do. And this man is on his hands and knees and he's chewing grass and he's mooing and he's doing the best he can to commune with these cows. And so Zarathustra goes up onto him and says, what are you doing? Right? You idiot. You can't communicate with these cows. Um, now the metaphor is that the cows are regular common people. Uh, that's how, that's what Frederick Nietzsche thought about common people. He thought they were stupid and animals. Uh, and this man in the field is someone who uh, had succeeded in community. He had succeeded in the society. He had money. He had wealth. He had all the trappings of success that we're told that we should pursue to make ourselves happy and fulfilled. He had all those things, and he wasn't happy or fulfilled. And it wasn't until he gave those things up and went out into the field and tried to commune with cows and tried to commune with nature by abandoning society did he did he find himself and Zarathustra was actually uh, a, was actually made a mistake he actually made an error and a, and a, a sin in interrupting someone who chooses that life right if you have someone who can succeed in all the ways but they choose to lay on the grass and chew cud and commune with cows it's your job to let them be uh, and I feel like pig was a movie shot from the perspective of the man in the field. So here's a man who had everything. He was a chef. He was the best chef. He had multiple restaurants. He could have had the world. But he left all that to go be in the field. And the, what I think the movie was about was this question of why God? Why God? Because what did he do to, to deserve to lose that? Spoiler if you haven't seen it. I guess, um, yeah, spoiler if you haven't seen Pig. Stop listening. Go watch Pig. Come back. Um, what did he do to deserve to lose the pig? Right? And, and he lost it for no reason. Just because they were being greedy and arrogant and wanted to... They, they were sinning by interrupting the person who gave up society for less. How dare you interrupt anyone who has willfully abandoned society? How What a sinner you are. And, I, and to me, it just resonated on all those levels. I love it. Right. Yeah, that was it was heartbreaking, man. Like I, I, I was devastated <laughs> for real, for real. When he sits down and looks up, and he's back in his bed, and he's got no pig for no reason. They killed, they took the pig for no reason. Why, God? Why take the pig? The best pig, the best pig. I know. And we, I have friends that have pigs, and those pigs, they're they're super cool. They're not as great as that pig. That pig was the best pig. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Let's uh let's pause there. I'm gonna go sell this computer. <laughs> and then uh hopefully I'll get you I'll hit you back up. It should be less than less than thirty minutes. So we'll just hop back on. So we'll take a pause, hop back on. Okay, no Great. problem. Talk to you sooner.
All right, sounds good, Carrie. Bye. So, yeah, uh, it went well. Uh, it was a nice guy. I tell you what, man. This So, earlier this year, uh, before we go back to movies, because I definitely want to talk about movies, uh, but earlier this year, I completely lost my mind. I went absolutely insane. I wrote a book. I started working out. I was taking some supplements. Like I said, I had done the DMT uh, the previous year, so I went completely bonkers at the beginning of this year. And part of the delusion that I was having was that people were going to hunt me down before I finished my book. I really believed it. I believed that people were, that my that I was generating buzz online and that I was making enemies and that people were going to hunt me down and try to stop the book from coming out and I needed to buy this laptop so that I could do all my computing in secret somewhere in the world so I could get my book out. That was the delusion that I was under. So I went to Best Buy and I dropped 2400 bucks on a top-of-the-line Alienware gaming laptop. Never used it. Never used it. And then I, now I need the money. <laughs> did, you, I, did you end up writing the book? I did. Yeah, yeah. I wrote the book. It sucks, but I wrote it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, now I just sold the thing for 1100 bucks, So half less than half my money back, but at least I got something. Well... You got to write the book, and uh, you got an experience out of the deal. Hell of an experience. Hell of an experience. So I'm <laughs> curious to know what your favorite movies are and what you like about them. Oof. Oh, boy. <clears throat> I mean, if you, so if you're, the, if you're like a movie guy, everybody asks you what your favorite movies are. It's like... Um, I don't know if I have a favorite, man. Um, okay. I have um, favorite genres, favorite directors. Um, okay, sure. What's your favorite genre? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like 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 horror is kind of my bread and butter. Really? Um, but I kind of like anything that's um, that will elicit a feeling, mm. right? Mm. Mm, so that's what you, that's what attracts you to horror is that it, it's so rich in intense emotion. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's just fun. It's weird. Like I, I, I've always been kind of drawn to darkness, right? Like even as a kid, I was always, you know, I got into like metal early, and I was always into true crime and um, the occult, and, and you, you said food just kinda, crime. Did you say food crime? No, well, food crime is uh, what happens to me on a daily basis. True crime. <laughs> That's funny. True crime. So, yeah, like, um, ser like uh, serial killers have always fascinated me. Oh, it's uh, mobsters. You know, like, have you seen the show Hannibal? Oh, I was just going to say, dude, Hannibal's one of the true underrated classics. Yeah. I can't believe what they got away with for that being on NBC. It's it's a shame it only had three seasons. It was I it's agree. a great I, It really was. It really was. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Loved it. I love, and I love rooting for the, the anti-hero, but it's kind of arguable that Hannibal was just a regular villain, right? That he wasn't an anti-hero, but I felt like he was an anti-hero. See, even in um, like like in Silence of the Lambs, like I, I was excited that Hannibal was back out in the world. You know, it didn't mm -hmm. it wasn't like scary for me. Like uh, he he didn't seem like um, 
he wasn't the antagonist necessarily in Silent. Uh, that would have been Buffalo Bill, right? I was glad Buffalo Bill was off the table, mm. but I was even more ecstatic that Hannibal was out in the world somewhere doing his, uh, just out there being a presence. Yeah. Yeah, we need someone to stir the pot, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I've always, you know, I, that stuff's always fascinating. Like, young dude i mm. i did a presentation in um in high school we had to do some sort of history it was a way to for us to uh, f- figure out how to write essays or do reports or something i did this whole report on uh dutch schultz and okay. so i gathered all this information on dutch schultz and uh he, he, he was my guy, you know, but people like uh, Lucky Luciano or uh, Capone, but, but Schultz was, he was kind of the uh, Billy the Kid of the gangster. Like, he was just a little more crazy, a little more ruthless. I don't know. That, like, he was my guy. Dutch Schultz, born Arthur Simon Flyheimer, was an American mobster based in New York City in the 1920s and 30s. He made his fortune in organized crime-related activities, including bootlegging and the numbers racket. Interesting. So this yeah, was the guy. Was... I'd never heard of this guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was partnered up with, um, with Luciano and stuff. And eventually, he was too much of a loose cannon. <laughs> For even Luciano. Yeah. Jeez. Yep. He probably had demons. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm sure he was a total scumbag, but <laughs> there, there's something, you know, I think Americans inherently have, like, this hero worship of uh, of these, um, these outsiders. We People are bad who, boys. Uh, right. Gangsters and outlaws and, you know, all that kind of... Uh, I don't know, just people who, who slough the rules and, and do what they want, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's part of our, I think it's part of our ethos around the individual because, you know, that's, we hold the, the, the individual person pursuing their own ends to, you know, we see that as something that's inherently beneficial to us all if you have individuals who can kind of maximize their own p- potential for intrinsic reasons. Um, sure. Yeah. No, we're we're all in. We're all in. You mentioned you were into rock when you were young. You said metal when you were young. Yeah, I mean, are you I already kind of went in. Or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and lastly, uh, Mike. Um, like right. uh, Mike he, was super into metal. Oh yeah, yeah. He introduced me to like for a long time. The the, the newer stuff, the kind of grindcore stuff, was a little too little too noisy for me and then mm. Um, mm. when Mike and I and this other uh, friend that I went to treatment with uh, really got me into grindcore and not, now I, I'm all the way in I can't get out Grind, <laughs> been, it's called grindcore? yeah it's kind of um, what is grindcore? educate me as someone who is hearing this term for the first time um so it's it's really growly, uh, melodic, um, heavy, um, 
God, how do you like like it, it, lyrically? It's almost impossible to understand what anybody is saying, but you can feel the uh, I don't know, man. It's just it's heavy in a way that is still exciting and not just like um, depressing. Mm. <laughs> Some metal is just like really. Uh, there's like doom metal, and it's it, it's too slow. Um, Grindcore still has uh, some some sand behind it, you know. Got balls, and it, you know, it it's just sand. Sand. <laughs> um, this is insect it, warfare, world extermination. Yeah. Like, uh, wow. You know, there's some bands to check out. You can. Um, Black Dahlia Murder, um, Chelsea Grin, um, Suicide Silence, Job for a Cowboy, um, Cattle Decapitation, <laughs> uh, White Chapel. Um, I don't know. They're, those are kind of the big ones for me. Mm. Um, but Mike really got me into Black Dahlia Murder. And the, the lead singer of that uh, just recently... Um, took his own life and that, oh. that was quite a quite a blow that was a bummer because we had seen him a bunch of times man and, and mike was like uh, a lifelong fan mm. and I, I, I knew that was going to be a big hit for for him mm. that sucks man that sucks yeah i'm good. creatives are like that especially in uh in music, you know, mm. there seems to be a trend. Like Chester, of, right? Like Chester and um, Chris Cornell. I mean, uh, it goes back all the way to all the way to Cobain, and you know, I mean, if you. But that's if you believe Kirk killed himself. Well, fair enough. <laughs> that's I do, true. I do not believe Kirk killed himself. I heard a report one time that said that there were no fingerprints on the gun. I don't know. I need to look that up. Because I, I say it a lot. I'm gonna see if it's really true. Um, did you watch? Did you ever see that documentary, Kurt and Courtney? I think I got it from that. Yeah. Where Courtney tried to help hire uh, El Duce to uh, to kill Kurt. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you I have mean, you have a wife who tries to kill him, and then you have him show up dead. Uh, yeah, and Courtney was uh, a unique human being. Is I guess uh, is she still around? Is she still around? I don't know what she's doing. I mean, she's as I think she's alive. She's out there somewhere. Hmm. What's your favorite movie? Uh, my favorite movie is Groundhog Day. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah, yeah I love it. I love it. the uh, The moral of Groundhog Day is just so timeless. It's Unless you learn to care about people other than yourself, you will be stuck. Mm. So you have to learn to care about people in order to move forward. And that was a big lesson in my life that I learned when I was like twenty-three-ish, uh, and I was and I. But I've appreciated in Groundhog's Day lo even longer than that. But I didn't, it didn't really hit me until I was twenty-three. Until I learned that oh, I need to internalize Groundhog Day and not just revere it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's a terrific, terrific movie, man. 
Well, I found a page uh, about the gun. Apparently, there was, the rumor was that the gun didn't exist or that it had been melted down or something like that. But uh, apparently, they found it and it's just sitting there. So maybe he did blow his own brain off. That's the sim. That's what is it? Occam's razor, right? I, I love that um, that you were investigating this whole time. Yeah, because, you know, I, I want to believe that Kurt didn't kill himself, but the world isn't shaped on what I want to believe. Yeah, I, I, I had his, um, they, they published his journals. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's in the, like, uh, I can't remember. I, I, I had it at one point. He was, uh, you know, after reading, after reading those, I was... You know, it was not a far cry. I mean, it's not. It was in it was in the wheelhouse for him. So it was something that he he was the type of person who could have done that. It seemed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely seemed to have that. Um, I don't know, man. Like as I've gotten older, like a lot of a lot of people say, like it, it takes a ton of courage. Mm. Uh, and a ton of pain to kill yourself, man. A lot of pain. Uh, a lot of pain. And he definitely seemed to um, seem to be in a lot of pain. Yep. Which is the double-edged sword of making the type of art that he was making with such power and such intensity. You know, is that you gotta you gotta feel all that stuff, man? And maybe it's too much, right? You know? Well, and that's probably why I reach so many. You know, you you can listen to music or look at a piece of art or watch a movie, and you can you can feel somebody's passion in yes. art. You know, Who and are when some you of your feel favorite um, metal singers. Singers, let's see. Like I'm big. Um, uh, I'm really into like uh, I like Pantera, Phil Al, Al Salmo. Um, I mean, Ozzy's voice in itself it, it is an instrument. Really, uh, Ozzy? Huh? I like dancing. Oh yeah, yeah. Ozzy's a classic. <laughs> you can't go wrong with the classics, man. Um, and God, who? Some artist. There, there's a. There's a video on YouTube right now of this artist, Sam something, who does a cover of Changes from uh, from um, Black Sabbath. Okay. And it's just like a really soulful rendition of Changes. Hmm. And like, um, I don't know, some artist like uh, Johnny Cash, right? Yes. Johnny was a country singer but his or a western singer let's say but his um his music reached through all genres like everybody respected uh well not everybody but there there were a ton of people who's who, who were touched by his music and influenced right. by his music that were beyond uh just just country people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Ozzy's like that, you know, like he's, like I said, 
<clears throat> his voice alone is an instrument. I mean, there are kind of like, I don't know, White Zombie was mm. uh, very, like, the, the one of the first albums I ever bought um, was Astro Creep 2000. Um, you know, I, I bounce around, man. I like new metal. I like, uh, you know, but I also like, I don't know, like, the uh, pretty much the only stuff I don't like is the the really poppy stuff, and I can even get into plenty of that stuff, man. What do you, you think know, of I think System of a Down? Oh, I like, I'm a System guy. You like System? system? All those guys that are, like, super politically charged, uh, it, it gets up my, uh, my, my, my rebellion uh, makes, makes the uh, my the tuft on my back of my neck stand up, you know. Okay, okay, yeah, they're my uh, they're my favorite rock band of all time. But the list is pretty short, so. Sure. What's your favorite genre? Uh, rap. That's what I grew up with. Yeah, I, I grew, yeah. I grew up in uh, Tupac and um, who else was big. Bone Thugs and Harmony and oh yeah, you know, Bone Thugs yeah yeah, that's what I grew <laughs> up with. Of course, okay. you know Biggie, Snoop Dogg, Dre, all that, right. Death Row, all that. Oh yeah, what did you get into like uh, like good East Coast stuff like Onyx and Wu um, Tang? Well, I was so I was so young. I was heavily influenced by the East Coast West Coast battle. So I felt sure. I felt it was my duty to not investigate East Coast music <laughs> because you know I was twelve, right? So they were saying, sure. "Oh, don't go to the West Coast." I was saying, "Don't go to the East Coast." I was saying, "Okay, I won't go to the East Coast." I was a little kid. Um, sure. Since then, I've come more to appreciate. Oh yeah, Big L, Big L, so tight. Uh, Jay Z, of course. My my list in the order of the list that it's in is Pac, Andre, Most Def, Jay Z, Eminem. Number six is right now between JID. And maybe Token, Drake, Jack Harlow, I don't know. I'm shopping around for my next, my six through ten, but uh, my top five is set. It's been really hard for me to get into, like, kind of the mumble core, um, oh, mumble kind of the sucks, new... man. I like um, what, uh, Earl Sweatshirt. Earl Was... Sweatshirt? Yeah, have you ever, uh, I think it's Earl Sweatshirt. Have you have you heard him? No. Uh, let me just double check <laughs> and make sure I'm not being. Uh, I found it. I found totally it. that that Sean. white guy that's like, oh, do you know Earl Sweatshirt? Um, yeah, he's kind of. I think. I think I heard he had been um, discovered by uh, Busta. Hmm. Interesting. No, new artist for me to check out. I gotta check him out. Yeah, it's Earl Sweatshirt. Yeah, but he's kind of—he's super. Um, I don't know. His stuff is kind of like really dark and uh, slow, but his flow is like um, really consistent, man. And then I, I like a bunch of like um, what we used to call underground hip hop, right? Like mm. uh, um. All the Rhyme Sayers guys, uh, Sage Francis and Atmosphere and Brother Ali and nice, you know all those cats. You know your and, music, man. Well, 
Yeah. I went to college, man. <laughs> For Are a semester. You, you went to music college? No, 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 no. I went to uh, I went to drug school, man. Um, no, it's it just like when I like the school when of I the went, hard knocks. Like, what's up? The school of the hard knocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just seemed like um, that was the first kind of time where I got to mingle. Like I, like you, I grew up with the Chronic and uh, Cypress Hill and that's right. Uh, like, Black Sunday and all, like, um, Method Man, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But once I kind of was out on my own and to a new group of people, they were showing me all the, uh, like, underground stuff um, that just spoke to me in a different way. I don't know. Their beats were really good. Their lyrics were super good. Mm. Um did you ever listen to like Josh Martinez or Five Headed Retard or um, like uh, no. anybody like that? Uh huh. All that's new to me. Yeah, there's a lot of out there, man, and they're all like really weird. My buddy used to call it space rap. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I like uh, you know I'm a I'm a rapper in my own regard. Um, what I think I need. Oh, to, really? I am. Yeah. Uh, what I think I need to learn to do with my raps is be happier. Um, my wife yeah. said that that's why Drake and Jack Harlow are so popular is that they aren't angry, right? <laughs> a lot of, a lot of rappers are really angry and that isn't palatable for everyone. Right. But if you just, if you rap and you use your metaphor and you use your flows and you can say interesting things, but you don't got to be pissed off all the time. And that's part of the appeal. So that's what I need to do with my rap. And in order to do that, I have to get to a place where I'm not pissed off. And currently I'm in a hole that I put myself in. And it sucks. So. Oh, sure. But you, I mean, your, your art transfer, like, uh, art, it takes, uh, right. Right, you know, and your experience, that's you right. know? Yeah. Do you so have maybe, any uh, musical inclinations yourself? Do you sing, play guitar, play drums? No, uh, no, no. I, I was, uh, I did, uh, I drummed in band in school, but mm. I was never. Like, I could hold a beat, but I wasn't. Um, I wasn't getting outside of my wheelhouse. I, you know, whatever. I'm a taskmaster. If you tell me that I gotta, you know, hit the cymbal and do the bass drum and the snare. Then I'm gonna do exactly like, like it's not jazz to me. It's like uh, it's a it's a job that I'm like trying sure, to remember. Sure. Like I I have no music or ear for. Uh, no, I not like my. I wish I was. I just could never wrap my head around like my fingers don't <laughs> bend the way they do to I play guitar. I get it. I couldn't hold a tune if it came with handles. <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe for some reason, but no, can't sing. Can't never could sing. Can't sing. But, but rapping isn't singing. But I guess some of the good rappers do a little bit of both. But uh, no, I, I can't sing. But my flow is, uh, you know, it's rusty. It needs work. That's fine. Sure, man. You just need a little farsight in your life. That's all. That's what I need. That's what I need. I named my dog Tupac, so uh, that way I always have his influence, his spirit around. Beautiful. You have pets? I do. I have a 
a little Jack Russell Corgi mix. Oh, fun! I, What's his or her name? Uh, it's Draco. We got him from the um, Long Beach uh, uh, SP. What is it? SPCA. Draco the Corgi mix. Yeah, yeah. He's a little. Uh, they call him a Kojak. <laughs> Draco the little, Kojak. Yep. Dude, he's he's the best man. Like. Regardless of how shitty of a day I'm having, I can come home. He's just so jazzed to see me that it, it just, everything gets better. Man. It's just they're, they're unconditional little love machines. I think I'm looking at your dog. Is there a picture of your dog on Facebook with who I'm assuming? I don't actually. I don't know who that woman is. But is, is there a picture of your dog on Facebook wearing a uh, black scarf with a Cool little white design on it with little yellow crosses. I I would be willing to bet there is. is you he, know, people does would, he have a white that, face with kind of tan in his ears? He does. Yeah. I might be looking yeah. at it. Yeah. Well, you, you know, before you have kids, if you have animals, then that that you, you dote on them. You know, you got a million pictures of them. Everybody's got to see them. Yes. And nobody wants to. <laughs> Some people want to. I'm, some one, I'm, people one, I'm one of the one who wants to. I'm a person. Look, if you see me on the street and you say, hey, will you look at my pet? I will. I don't, it doesn't matter if I know you. I'll look at your pet. I'm so proud of you, man. Yeah, points if it's not a dog or a cat. <laughs> this is why we're friends. <laughs> points if it's a rattlesnake. <laughs> what did you do? That- so what, uh, man, you must have... What was what was the adventure like? Let's say between Faith House and your wife. That's quite a gap there. That's like eight years, right? Uh, yeah, we met in twenty fourteen. Oh, okay. um, so you guys were serious pretty early. I mean, like we were trying to follow all the rules of recovery, right? Okay. Like, um. We didn't. We didn't move in together until we had been like dating for like eight months. Um, okay. So in order to, I was. I managed. I managed slash lived in Faith House for like three years, and the point where I was just ready to like not have to live with somebody else in my room. You know. That's right. I uh, forgot you were you were on management track when I when before I left, right? Before we, we stopped hanging out. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was manager. I I actually my the sober living I went through was full measures, and then mm. the manager of full measures, uh, Richie, um, Diane had asked him if uh, he knew anybody that that he would suggest to be manager, and he he threw my name in the uh in the hat and uh and so i walked in there as manager um that's right and then i forgot that that's part of what made you know what that's i need to give you thank you aaron for being so cool because that's part of what made that vibe so awesome was that you were running that spot and i remember i got ran out by i guess it was the owner of the property 
She said, stop, right. stop having me come over. But what was I? I was coming over and eating ice cream and watching TV. What, we were watching movies and eating ice cream and hanging out and smoking cigarettes and being friends. What was I doing? I got kicked <laughs> out. Yeah, I don't know what, like, you know, every once in a while she would, uh, she would just get a wild hair, man. Mm. She would get on a kick and, I, th- you know, I think it... I think her deal was that um, the movie sessions would go in like well into the night. Yes. Like, well, I mean, not super late, but ah, come on, two. We're talking two, dude. So that's that's a perfect movie night, right? right. Um, but our curfew was like eleven. So, yeah, you know, she she just uh, she just needed to. Uh, to, like, there needs to be some order, sure. you know. And, and you I, know what? I, I would I would be amenable to that argument if I had been going over there three, four times a week and you guys are all losing sleep because there's somebody over just hanging out. But it was only Fridays. It was limited to Fridays. I agree. Like, I, believe me, I, <laughs> we, all, we all didn't like that uh, our Kari <laughs> nights were uh, not, not happening anymore. Yeah. But... You know, um, so, sometimes the authority puts their foot down, and and we gotta we gotta do what we gotta do, man. This is true. This is true. Speaking of authority, what do you think of the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago? Um, you know, I don't know what to think, man. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I. I, I I try and stay out of. I try not to get too involved in politics hmm. because um, it, it just it, there's a reason there's a no politics, no religion at at the bar, right? It, people get too passionate about it, hmm. and in my experience, that isn't who people are. Those are their ideals. And like, um, they can be very, they can make that all that they're, they're about, but mm-hmm. like I'm friends with ultra conservative people and I'm like friends with, uh, ultra liberal people. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we're all looking for the same thing, man. you know, politically we're at odds. Um, but you know, I, I just don't talk about that stuff, and it makes our like it maintains relationships. It it was a shame to me, like, dude, I, I I'm not I'm not a Trump fan, like, as him as a man, like, well before he was president, like, okay. I, he, he 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 was just not somebody that I jived with. Okay, um, but I accepted, you know. Like I lost a vote, you know, mm. uh, and I was I'm like I'm willing to deal with that, dude. That's right. You if know? you rem- if you remember, that was Dave Chappelle's monologue on SNL right after Trump got elected. He said, "Look, a lot of us didn't vote for you. A lot of us don't like you, but you're in there now, and we got your back. We're gonna give you the benefit of the doubt." And then, right. me personally, when he I think what was it 
was it Libya? It was some airport that he took out, uh, that he took out airport real quick. And we were all going, oh my gosh, he went out there and just started firing stuff. I was kind of behind that. I said, you know what? Yeah, that was a strong move. He, he strategically disabled the tools that were going to go kill a bunch of people. So he probably saved a bunch of lives. And so at that point, I was pleasantly happy with Trump. Uh, surprisingly to me, because like I, you know, like you said, I, I'm similar to you, right? I didn't have an affinity for the guy, but then he started calling uh, the North Korean leader Rocket Man, and I said, "This dude's going to start a nuclear war on Twitter. Get him out!" Right, <laughs> And I never no. went back to get him in. I've always been get him out since then. He just always seems like somebody who's out for himself, you know. Yes, and. Uh, you know, my conservative friends like made more money under his uh, under his term than they ever had, and they were super happy. And mm. you know, and that's and that's great. And now we're not under his term, and gas prices are through the roof, and the stock market's kind of cattywampus. And you know, like I, uh, you know. For as long as I've been alive, people bellyache about who's in the office, but shit doesn't change that much. You know, the world keeps turning, uh, America keeps running, and we get through it. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, we just fucking power through it. Yeah. And, like, all the ideals, all they do is, like, um, pit us against each other. You know? Yeah. It's just a way for us prejudice toward each other and it sucks dude like i don't want i think one of the most dangerous things uh that donald trump has introduced into the the uh the zeitgeist is refusing to pre-announce accepting election results that's so dangerous that's so dangerous you're gonna say you know what We'll see if I believe the vote depending on who wins. What? What? Are you trying to unravel what we're doing here? That's not how voting works. We all agree. Yeah. We're going to vote. Whoever wins, wins. That's how voting works. Not if I win, it was good. If I lost, it was rigged or it was fake, right? If I lost, it couldn't have been true. And so by right. him not saying that he would gracefully accept the, the outcome of the election and then now other there are a lot of uh not a lot of but I've heard of other leaders doing that now. I just heard it the other day where they pressed some uh somebody running in the Republican Party and they said, Will you accept the outcome, you know, depend no matter what it is? And he said, We'll see. He said, We'll see if I'll accept it. That's so bad. I wish I, I'm mad at Donald Trump for introducing that into the zeitgeist. That's not how democracy works. Yeah, that was scary, man. And like the uh, the thought that he might try and uh I mean, it's hard to believe, but, like, anything that comes out of, like, popular culture. But the thought was that he was going to stand his, like... Yes. Like, 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 term, you know what I mean? So, we would have had, like, a 12-year president, or, you know, whatever, it's just, it's terrifying, man. I wonder Uh, if there are any Americans, or I take that back, I wonder if there are any English-speaking humans who believe that if the mob on January 6th had actually somehow taken over all of Congress and invited Trump back into the Oval Office, he would have just walked in and said justice has been served. Wasn't that his, wasn't that obviously his intention? 
to get this crowd to go before him so he could res- keep his seat? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, dude. Like, uh, that... To me, that was an insurrection. It wasn't a. It wasn't a. Um, it wasn't a patriotic act. No. It was, a, it was people that I don't know, man. I've never seen anything like it. I've no. never even heard of like that, man. You know, in the sixties, like it was super fucked up. People like the uh, National Guard were like murdering students, like protesting and stuff, but. And, and I, didn't li- I didn't live through any of that stuff, you know, the civil rights movement or the women's movement or anything. And when I talk to my folks about that stuff, they they say that that was, they say that this is a scarier time than that was. I've been and, hearing that. Yeah, I, I, actually, my great aunt uh, said that I was talking to her and I was, we were talking about social cohesion in America. She said, it's worse now. <laughs> and I was asking her about the old times and she said, it's worse now. It's insane. Like you, you think we've come super far, and and we just like haven't. See what and I that mean? Like, uh, I, like the human condition. You know, <laughs> we're just conditioned to like fight and and go against the grain. I don't know, man. It's weird though. We're living in strange times, my friend. What I think we have going on is a is a real opportunity to consciously articulate what it is about America that makes America herself, right? What, what does, what does being American mean? What is Americanism? What are our ideals? And what I've been trying to boil it down to number one is civility. That's what makes you American. What makes you an American is that when someone who dresses like you don't like, they talk like you don't like, they believe like you don't like, and they, let's say, carry themselves and they make faces and they make words and they do all sorts of things that you don't like and they're right next to you and they're just talking to their friends and you just can't stand them, that's America, right? As long as they aren't harming anything, as long as they aren't breaking laws, they're free to do what they want. You know, use whatever pronouns they want, dress however they want, look however they want, hair whatever color they want, have sex with whoever they want, right? That's that's their business. To me, right. that is the American ideal that no matter who you are, as long as you are law abiding and peaceful, I will treat you civilly. No matter, no matter what else is going on. Right. As long as you aren't threatening me, I will be nice to you. What, what, what's your stance on the, uh, Roe Ro vs. Wade? Uh, so while I understand the, the sense that people have that abortion is rampant and we need more life and legalizing abortion has been this moral failure and now we need to just slow down on it. I understand that feeling. Uh, and so I don't blame people who feel that way for feeling that way. Where I blame this anti-abortion movement, because it's not a feeling, it's been an orchestrated, choreographed maneuver that's been happening for 50 years to tilt the courts, tilt the school boards, tilt the, tilt the, um, 
the the district borders gerrymander so it's it's been a scheme you see and so that's what i don't like about it it's one thing to have your feelings and it's one thing to voice your feelings and vote your feelings please every american voice your feelings vote your feelings do not scheme backdoor and plot your way to bend everything to your will when you're in the extreme minority and you know nobody will agree with you or not extreme minority, but you're just in the minority and you can't get it passed the regular way. And that's what I don't like about this whole abortion movement is that it's it's a it's a, a, a product of a plot. Right. That's gone on for a long time. And it's not it's not the will of the American people. Right. It's not my will. It's not how I vote. And I and I happen to understand that most Americans vote with me. And that's what I don't like about it, is that even though I understand this anti-abortion sentiment, that's not majority opinion. You can't convince me it is. You can't convince me that you can't convince me that most Americans don't want to allow women to choose for themselves when they're adults. You can't tell me that right. most Americans don't believe that. Well, and that's where, like, I mean, like, this is, um... and also to be clear, I am anti-abortion in every personal case. If I meet a woman who's going to have an abortion, I will do my utmost to try to convince her that bringing that child into the world and just giving it to the police department or giving it to a hospital or giving it to a fire department is is ultimately better than not having it. Uh, you know, that's my personal opinion. And I would plead with her. I would I would, you know, try to bargain with her and reason with her and, and understand her and listen to her and communicate with her to try to just, you know, connect with her and from one heart to another to say Human life is beautiful. The more life, the better. That's my personal feeling. So I would argue for birth, no matter how poor you are, no matter how poor you are, no matter how the circumstance, you know, uh, excluding rape, incest, excluding those things, of course. But other than that, if you just, you know, got a little sloppy and didn't wear a condom, right? That's kind of how it happens. Uh, I would implore every pregnant person to carry it to term. And if you don't want it, Give it to a public service official. You don't have to deal with it after that. Um, that's why that law is on the books, so that we can have more life. Uh, so that's my personal feeling. But still, still, I think it should be legal to have clean, safe abortions in, in your state, right? And so California isn't on the verge of going the way of the other states. And so I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it for, for us here, but I know that it's just boiling over in the middle of the country. I know that. Right. Well, is that like, I understand it being a moral issue, but it seems like dangerously close to, to being, um, flying in the face of, it, it seems to me that is, it's, it's more of a, an issue of separation of a church and state. You're absolutely right. Um, it's a unification of church and state, stopping abortion at the federal, and not not protecting abortion at the federal level, right? See, that's right. that's a secular position, and we live in a secular society, which means we treat people as individuals and we treat them civilly, regardless of their religious affiliation, right? So that that's, right. that's that's we we're supposed to be in a secular society separated from church. Yes, yeah, separation of church and state. And I agree with you. I think that's an insightful point. Thank you for making it. Yep. And also, it seems. I mean, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but like, this is, you know, like 
the vast majority of con of conservative conservatives that I know belly ache about like how how much we're losing our freedoms. Mm. And this is like for me, <laughs> it's so hypocritical. Us of choice, and when you take away like that's like a straightforward like total loss of our freedom. Yeah, like you and I agree that um, people should, you know, there are many people out there that use abortion as perfect. and whether like like that that's not, you know. That's not necessarily like uh, it's super dangerous. Like you may lose the ability to have children if you consistently are getting abortions. Um, but now, what trips me out me. about it is okay. Uh, it's one thing if you don't want an abortion, don't get one. Why are you trying to force other people to not be able to get one? What's the what, exactly. what's the impetus there? That's, I mean, I understand if you feel very strongly right. about yourself and your sisters and your, your friends. Okay. But why do you want to stop your neighbors? Why do you want to stop people all the way on the other side of the state? Why do you want to stop people you don't even know from having access to that service? What, what's that about? Right. Loss of choice is loss of freedom. Right? Mm. Mm. Loss of choice. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got all the choices, you've got all the freedom. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> we always do. We will. We'll figure it out. We will. And we'll... I was actually, have, do you ever go on Reddit? Oh, I try not to. I try to avoid it at all costs. Reddit's pretty <laughs> liberal. Uh, I spent a lot of time on Reddit. And I was on our anti-work the other day. And we were having a chat. Uh, it was a fun little live chat with with a bunch of people. And I was able to say that I'm so grateful to our anti-work because what they, and, and it's a really a uniting, it's not left or right or center. Or, it's all the, it's all the spectrum. But the, all, what all uh, anti-work is about is that we're all common workers sick of being exploited by businesses that could care less about us, that could just suck us dry and replace us. Right. And that's what, that's what our anti-work is about. And I guess I say that to say, Part of our conversation was that America seems to be on a downward trajectory, but the American common people, the citizenry, are what will hold her together. The leadership right. is gone. The leadership's bought and paid for. They might as well be wearing NASCAR stickers. It's over for them. But us, we still got a chance to, to get this thing right. Yeah, and I let me be clear. Like I don't think necessarily that we're on a downward trajectory. I mean, we could be. And, you know, that, but I think that we're just in a strange position right now, man. Well, no. we're, we're definitely, we're definitely at an inflection point. So societies change, right? So societies go from, uh, what, feudalist to capitalist to democratic to socialist to, you know, they, societies change over time. Autocratic, right? And so... There's no reason why America can't become an autocratic nation simply because that's the will, the feeling of the people. That can happen. Uh, I don't want America to become an, an autocracy. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't want that. I, I like what we're trying to go after with democracy. Um, but I, I guess what I can try to defend is is why I think we're why I think we're going down, or at least why we're at an inflection, because the. Sure. 
the conservative, well, the Republican Party, to start with them, the Republican Party has been captured by Donald Trump. He's gutted them. He's gutted their whole base. So now there's Trump. Now there's Trump or no, and no Trump. So now it's totally split. Uh, but the kind of more, I don't know what you call them, mainstream Republicans, more centrist Republicans, I don't know what you call them. They've got their own direction to go in, which is different than the center Democrats, which are Republicans with D's in front of their name. I don't know why they could even call. I don't even know why Kristen Sinema and Manson call themselves Democrats. That's ridiculous, but that's what they are. Uh, and then there's the other Democrats, which are also split in various directions. I mean, liberals are like cats. You can't get them all to do the same thing. So right. that's the choice we're making as a nation is we're going to go in a different direction real soon here than we've been going. And we're choosing right now. We're cho- we're choosing the future that we're handing to our descendants right now. No, and I, I actually have a lot of hope, man. I think mm. that it's always darkest before the dawn. I think we're in a time that... Mm. That's um, inspirational. That things are so kind of cattywampus that, that we're going to have no choice but to go back to a, like a partisanship, you know, where everybody's working together and like like having civil uh, discourse, you know, and... To talk to each other and listen to each other and and like uh, and meet them, you know. That's my hope. Yep. Yep. No, and I agree. And my my center point, uh, what I land on time and time again, is we need leadership that fights for the common American, for the poor American. That's what the leadership should be fighting for. Why are they fighting for businesses? Businesses are doing just fine, especially big business. They're fighting for big business. And they, and they try to act like they're fighting for small business. Face the facts, they're not. They're leaving small businesses to fight amongst themselves and fend for themselves. They're keeping big businesses afloat. Meanwhile, poor people just flounder. And so to me, they're doing the whole thing wrong. But we can unite around this idea of the common being lifted by our leaders across all parties, across all spectrums. Because like you said, we're all friends. We're all human. You know, I, I think back, uh, I think it was much more common in the like 50s and 60s for groups of friends to be a mix of liberal and conservative and centrist and anarchist and, you know, all sorts of different things. And, and they were all friends. But we've had this polarization happening where now people are going, oh, you don't like Trump? You can't be my friend. Oh, you're for basic income? You can't be my friend, right? And so we're choosing friendships based on political affiliations. And, you know, I don't do that. Uh, I have my, I have strong political feelings, but I don't choose my friends based on their politics. Uh, I don't think. No, no, I don't think I do. Well, then we've got hope, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, we should be good. Do you uh, just. Pivoting here to something I want to ask before we run out of time. Do you believe in God? I have an idea of a higher power. Um, I still have a lot of... I still have a lot of stuff that I thought that... Uh, I'm a lot more open to people that... Uh, practice organized religion than I used to be. Okay. I used to be hardcore, like, uh, prejudice, man. Like, and it didn't matter what. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty un- unbiased 
prejudiced. Like it didn't matter what faith you practiced. I, I, I was over to poke holes in it. Um, now, what about the, what about the, so there's an idea of God that actually isn't religious. Uh, Carl Sagan said it was a boring version of God, but I think it's an exciting version. So the idea is that because there is something, right? You, you agree with me that we are on a blue and green ball floating around other burning balls, right? And you agree that we're all really here, right? That this reality is really happening? I, I, yeah, I don't buy, I can't really buy into the Musk ideal of we're living in a matrix. Yeah, no, no, no. I, really, we're really here, right? We're all really here. So if that is the case, if all these things are really here, then it must mean that something came before this. Because if you have anything that appears, that is, it has to have appeared from something else that made it appear, right? And because if you have nothing, if you have truly nothing, then nothing can come about because that's what the word nothing means. If there's nothing there, then nothing can arise, right? And so there has, right. there has to be something that precedes all of this. There just has to be. It just it, it, We can't have all of this if there's not something that precedes it now. That thing that precedes us, then you go, okay, well, what preceded that? What preceded that? What preceded that? Da, da, da. And you very quickly get into an infinite regression. And so what I refer to God, the way I like to refer to God is the infinite origin of things. When you get into that infinite regression of what was the first thing, that's God. It's infinite into the, into the origins. You can just keep going and go first, first, and it's, and that's what God means. It's the, it's the limit. It's the, uh, the asymptote, right? Uh, what do you think of that idea? Calling that God, just just a creator God, not that, not that that God has been captured by any of the, you know, it's totally possible that uh, in this understanding of God, that the God that set this earth in motion has yet to be represented by any of the world's religions. That's fully a possibility. What do you think of that? I mean, I'm open to, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm more open to like, like an idea, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't, like for me, I heard in a room one time that if uh, if you're present, if you're you're a person that's an agnostic, right? Mm. Me and you're just presented okay. no, 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 just like you, the collective you, not you. Okay, yeah. Um, like the collective you are are an agnostic, and you're sitting in a room, and you're presented with a choice of knowing there is. No God, or or presented with a choice of a possibility of a higher creator. Um, what would you choose, right? And for me, like I've come to find a lot of comfort in um, in not knowing and in having faith that um, that I'm doing the best that I can and doing best by others around me mm. and like. In a collective consciousness, right? Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. we all have some sort of innate, um, like, like an idea of like, uh, like conscious. Not all of us. I mean, there are like serial killer sociopaths <laughs> that mm -hmm. that that don't really can't compute that stuff. But like for the most part, we all have like a moral compass, right? 
even if we didn't come up with um, in uh, like Judeo Christianity, we we have an innate feeling of right and wrong. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a long time, I was able to not listen to my conscience and just act really? selfishly and get over on people and really? do well. I mean, dude, I was never not a criminal. Like, but used to like, like manipulate people in order to get to stay loaded or to satisfy self. Sure, right? sure. And your conscience wouldn't, your conscience wouldn't get in the way of you doing it again. Exactly. Interesting. And now, like, um, I just am more in touch with my with my conscience, and like. Um, used to believe that, you know, call it fate. Like, I, I'm much more comfortable with with the idea of fate than mm. uh, than I can't wrap my head around uh, uh, a guy that would wag, wag his finger at me and tell me no. Mm. You know what I mean? Or, mm. Like, like I that, you're because you don't follow me or uh, because you're or you eat meat on Friday, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, or you're, um, you you don't uh, practice Islam. You know, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Like my my ideal of God would be um, a consciousness that was uh, like uh, embracing, you know, yes, and. Like accepting of you doing the best you can, and having a good life, and being surrounded by people that you um, you love or respect, or that like just just being able to, to communicate and learn, go through this life experience, and and uh, you know like like anybody that's. Like, I had super Christian friends when I was young, and I had, like, I had Jehovah's Witness buddies, and, uh, you know, that, that would, like, we were good friends, and they would tell me that I was going to hell because I wasn't a Christian, you know, mm. and that fucking rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. And, I mean, but also, I know I have, like, good, like, like lifelong friends that that are Christian that are that that would literally practice the ideals, right? Mm-hmm. Would view the sh- off their back to make sure that you were warm. Awesome. You know what I mean? That's beautiful. So I guess um, long story short, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an idea of God, and I believe in that. My current idea of God is that God is like a father uh, or actually a father, you know, uh, and then what he's doing with us is that, so I'm pseudo Christian. Uh, I'm not fully Christian because I'm not convinced that Jesus wasn't fully human. That is born of a man and a woman and just full human. Uh, and then I'm also of the opinion that Jesus was equally human to us all, meaning that, yes, we are all children of God equal to Jesus. That's that's my belief. And so that makes me not a Christian. 
<laughs> and a lot of Christian circles go, no, 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 no. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You're not equal to Jesus. I go, okay, well, I think we are equal to Jesus. Um, but, and so what I, what my feeling is that we were created in the eternal realm uh, with God to be one of God's many companion creatures. Uh, but then we ate of the tree of good and evil. So I, I, I believe that apart. Uh, but so then I think that what he's done with us is that he's put us in this playground. He said, okay, I told you not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because if you eat the knowledge of evil, if you know of evil, you have to die. Uh, everything you, And so I think everything evil has to die and everything that knows about evil has to die. And so he's put us in this playground. And in this playground, everything dies. The stars die. The planet will die. The bodies die. Everything dies. The universe itself will die. Everything here will die. This, this universe is the valley of the shadow of death. And we were put here to learn to appreciate life. Because we didn't when we when we didn't know what death was. So basically, um, I do believe that we've been sent here to inter encounter and interact with death so that we can and interact with temporariness so that we can more fully appreciate life and eternity. Because how can you appreciate the dawn if you've never seen the night? Um, yeah. And and also, I, I want to say to that. That I think God looks at us like uh, like I look at my dog when I'm taking him for a walk. So when I'm taking my dog for a walk and he's sniffing around some, on some grass, he can poop right there. And I'll say, great job pooping right there. He can go over to a patch of ivy. He can go over to a patch of sand. He can go over to a tree. He can do anything. And I'll go, great job. And if he you know, does something that I don't like, no matter where it is, I'll go, oh, that's not so great. But there's nothing he can do that I would allow him to do to injure himself or hurt himself. And so it's my suspicion that we are here in this realm completely protected by God. Uh, but it doesn't feel like that. And that's the point. <laughs> that's the point, right? We're here, we're here protected, but it don't feel like it because the devil's down here with you. Evil's down here with you. Everything's going to die. It sucks real bad, but that's the point is that it sucks real bad because y'all didn't appreciate life in the first place. So I, that, mm. makes, that makes me pseudo-Christian, that set of beliefs. And, uh, and my beliefs change. I question my beliefs all the time. My beliefs change. One of my science teachers once told me, I think it was Carl Sagan, like, um, you know, he liked to stir the pot <laughs> because he was the, the scientist, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, was great. science and religion were always button heads together and... Uh, you, uh, this science teacher once told us the um, Carl Sagan wrote that um, his idea of hell hey, would be entering a black hole, right? Because mm -hmm. theory of relativity, like if we were watching it, it would be over. Like we'd see Johnny go in the black hole, and he's instantly disappeared. Mm -hmm. But if you were Johnny, um, you would be. It would take eons for you to, like, the gravity is so intense that it's slowly pulling you apart. Right. And the time does like, uh, as you would be alive this whole time, being sucked into black nothingness and being slowly pulled apart, like, uh, millimeter by millimeter over eons mm. until we're totally sucked all the way through. Jeez. So you would stretch out like a stretch arm Armstrong over millennia. 
Dude, this universe is a trip. Have you seen the James Webb pictures? Uh, I've seen... Uh, are, are those the new ones? Yeah. Uh, of, like, the galaxies that are yeah. fucking, like, there? Yeah, those are cool, Ooh, man. man. Wild. I love it. I love it. I've, want, I've wanted to peek my head outside of the galaxy for a long, long time, and James Webb just did it for us all. <laughs> it's really... And it's exciting. There's no way, like, I mean, I, I like, who knows if we'll ever see, like, there's no way there, it would be a total fluke for us to be the only life in the in the universe to make yes. any sense. Yes. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no. It's super exciting. I'll tell you, earlier this year when I lost my mind there was a point at which I sincerely felt like I could look at I could see the entire universe I felt like I'd seen the entire universe from within my own mind and uh whew, hang what, on what a feeling yeah yeah that sounds cool <laughs> like uh, that it sounds be, cool it's not anything out of that old deal that's that's the guy you can grab on that guy it's nuts man but this, this look this reality is really crazy Right. It, it's I mean, if you think, OK, why is any of this here? You know, and that's just a question that I feel like people should think all the time. And that's actually one of the things that I think spurs us to improve society is that when people spend more time just sitting, not working, not doing, not plotting, not maneuvering, not planning, none of those things, just sitting being and looking up just sit and look up and do a lot do that you know covid helped us do that a little bit more but when you do that i feel like inevitably we we raise the question to ourselves why is this stuff here and those are the questions that make us spawn religions and go to religions and seek religion and seek philosophy or or whatever or seek meaning right i, I love jordan peterson because he talks about the um the the instinct for meaning Right. What, what does this mean? Are we just here because it's random? Are we just here because the stuff just pops up and goes away and if there's no design, no intention? Uh, that's hard for me to swallow. It's hard for me to believe that this universe, as James Webb has shown it to us, is unintentional. Really? <laughs> Come on. That's awesome, man. Sweet, sweet. Well, I will leave you to it. Uh, man, I know it's late in your part of town. It's a little bit earlier for me. I had such a great time. I so appreciate you coming on air. Dude, well, again, man, I was like super touched and humbled that you thought of me. I hope this gains traction and that, um, you know, it was great to talk to you, dude. Like, I'm um, touched. And it won't be the last time. I better not be. <laughs> hey, congratulations on your upcoming newborn. I want pictures and doting. For sure. I mean, I'm I'm sure. You know the. Uh, I'll be on the Facebooks and. Nice, know. nice. It's a beautiful okay. thing, man. Life is beautiful, Aaron, and uh, I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Kari. Have a good night, brother. Love you, man.